0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, February 21st, 2018 edition of our little weather get-together. We're happy to have you tonight. We took last week off, and uh, we've missed you. So uh, we're back tonight, and our guest tonight is Samantha Berksett. Uh, She's in Michigan tonight. She is an artist and has a passion for weather, and she's kind of brought it together, and that's going to be our topic tonight. Uh, It's something we've not talked about ever, so a new topic for sure. So uh, this is a live broadcast, and there are many ways to follow us tonight and interact with us if you want. Uh, as always, you can do uh, follow us on Twitter and interact with us there at Carolina WX Group. We are also on Periscope and Facebook Live, and as well as our YouTube channel. We'll be monitoring all of those throughout the evening to uh, find some comments or questions you may have. So feel free to submit those. And if you're listening on the rebroadcast, maybe through Apple uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Tune in radio or your favorite podcast uh, app. I will let Samantha give out her social media information towards the end of the show, and you can interact with her directly there. So, that is the housekeeping rules. It's been a pretty warm day across the Southeast. Uh, before I toss it around to um, all the panel members, I wrote down all the totals, uh, all the record breakers uh, nine in total Charlotte, Greenville, South Carolina. Columbia, South Carolina, Newburn, Raleigh, Durham, Greensboro, Fayetteville, Florence, Wilmington, numerous places today broke and, in uh, some cases, shattered the old record high temperatures. And so it's been a warm day, and we're going to continue that warm streak through the weekend before major changes come our way next week. So, with that, let's go to sunny and Polony. Is polleny a right word? Anyway, sunny and pollen filled air in charleston south carolina jared smith you'll be my first uh to bring you on tonight how's the beach
1: you know uh it's uh foggy it's been we've had a lot of sea fog you get 56 57 58 degree uh sea surface temperatures on the shelf waters and you get 78 to 80 degree temperatures above it and you get a lot of fog and so we've had several foggy nights another one coming tonight um We've had some just random air mass showers break out. It's it's been kind of wild, you know. Just to, in the onshore flow, we've uh, get a little convergence and you get some showers. I mean, you saw cumulus clouds have been. Uh, I, my new uh, month name is uh, Maybruary, so uh, that's about what we're at. Um, was looking at some sounding climatology tonight for the nerds out there, and um, the uh, 500 millibar height set a new record for the day. Uh, with a zero Z sounding, it was uh, five, 59, 30 meters. So um, usually uh, this time of year, uh, it's usually around oh, 5,600 or something like that. And so the thicker, the, the higher those heights, the thicker the atmosphere, the warmer it is. And so this is absurd uh, to put it mildly, uh, very mildly. Uh, we stay in the 80s for the rest of the week. And, um, and then we get we get a little bit of a cool down next week, but we're still been very above average uh, over the last week or so, we was tied a record yesterday, came with one, within one today, um, getting around uh, 91 or so. Uh, and, you know, finally, the Weather Service uh, tweeted a great little fact earlier, is that the last time we had uh, days like this in February, Here, let me get it, let me get it. I cannot believe I, I'm so ill-prepared. Uh, today was the 40th, 84th 80, 80, 80-degree 80 day at Charleston so far this month. The record number of 80-degree days for February is 5 from 1989. And so it looks like we are going to break a new record because the forecast does have 80s for the rest of the week. So back to you, Scotty.
0: Thank you for that report, Jared. Speaking of fog, it's been kind of foggy here in the Piedmont as well of North Carolina. I am going to bring in our good friend James Briarton, who is in the Queen City today. James, you guys shattered a record. 80 degrees today in Charlotte with the record was 75, so... My question to you, is the air conditioner on yet?
2: Yeah, and that was the exact question we posed on Facebook today, uh, on our Carolina Weather Group Facebook page. It is on. I caved. I turned the air conditioner on. I thought we could survive with open windows and just enough fans going, but uh, the honest answer was I stepped out this afternoon to go to Starbucks, and I didn't want to leave the animals at home uh, in the heat, so I did turn the air on. Um, For them, Uh, Funny story uh, that I shared on Facebook, and I want to give a shout-out to all our friends watching in the Chattahoochee Valley tonight. Uh, This links uh, my previous home in Columbus, Georgia, with my current home in in Charlotte, North Carolina. I put on this shirt, and I'm going to just sit up in my chair here a little bit. Uh, My WRBL News 3 shirt, uh, the CBS affiliate in Columbus, Georgia. Used to work there. Put this on today. Didn't put two and two together, but I went out today, and twice I got asked... What I do at WBTV here in Charlotte because they're also a CBS affiliate, Channel 3, with News 3 on your side as the slogan. So uh, correct branding, wrong city, but I thought the TV nerds out there would find that funny. Uh, The answer is I do nothing at WBTV (laughs) because I don't work there. Just setting the record straight.
0: Man, we thought you, we thought you, that's why we brought you on the show. Oh,
2: well, you should download their app though.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you for that, James. Let's go up to uh, the Raleigh-Durham area as well. Jordan, uh, you guys also breaking a record today. Not as much as Charlotte, 77 as the high there with the record of 76. How's things there in the, uh, the capital of uh, North Carolina?
3: Yeah, warmth has really been the story here. But you know, one reason that maybe we didn't get quite as high as we could have was some lingering cloud cover. Um, they, I noticed, sort of a, I don't know, maybe altostratus deck at the last couple of days has been persisting during the late morning into early afternoon hours, and that's kind of kept the temperatures depressed for a few hours. But then they have those clouds have eventually eroded away. And boy, the temperatures really spiked after that. But we haven't been able to quite sort of max out the potential that I think there was in the atmosphere that other locations were able to tap into. So it's definitely been warm and muggy, but we've been spared maybe the worst of it compared to other parts of the region.
0: You know, it's a good point you make that, uh, Jordan, here in the foothills as well. Uh, you know, we've not seen the sunshine up here until about 1, 2 o'clock. So that as well has saved us from seeing some uh, really high temperatures. And while we have you on the horn, uh, you guys may, uh, some of our listeners and followers may recognize Jordan from a couple of weeks ago. We like Jordan so much that we invited him to come back, and he was crazy enough to accept our invitation. So, Jordan, we're happy to have you as a full-time panelist.
3: I'm enjoying it already. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's go down to... A place where uh well Ashley, I know it's been kind of crazy in the mid in the uh Texas, Oklahoma area. You guys are battling some heat, some cold. House things in uh, your neck of the woods.
4: Yeah, so it's been a very active weather pattern. Um a couple of days ago we had 70s, uh very warm, very moist. Uh we were really concerned about rain. Um to the northeast, you know, there's a potential for flooding with uh, arkansas and, and up that way we were only projected to see about two to four inches and actually most of the rain bands missed us so i think we're probably going to sit about an inch and a half but today we did get a pretty good little thunderstorm had some pea-sized hail got to actually see the lightning hear the thunder so i'm really excited because spring is just about here for texas so i'm very ready for severe weather season
0: yes yes i know uh um jared was talking about seeing some cumulus i saw some later uh this afternoon as well so really cool to see that developing and before we know it, spring will be here let's uh, bring in shay gibson shay you also in the charleston area uh you've seen some uh, warm weather but also some pollen in the area down there so i'll bring you in let you talk about what's going on in your area maybe we can talk about uh, some of our uh, sea surface temperatures and la nina and el nina and stuff like that
5: Sure thing, Scotty. I'm going to share our screen on um, something I tweeted out the other day, and this is typical of what we would see in the springtime. Uh, we're getting a little bit of an early shot, and what this is is a Bermuda high. Let me make sure everybody can see this. Everybody good? Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, we get these Bermuda highs. These start to become more of a semi-permanent pattern uh, off of the East Coast United States, and this is what brings our southerlies in and gets our sea breezes going. Uh, however, when we get these flattened Bermuda highs, it's called the subtropical basically a subtropical ridge that brings a weak flow into the coastline. So the southeast winds, like Jared was saying earlier about the fogs, we're getting a lot of fogging overnight, Uh, and then it burns off in the day, but it sets up a very gentle, mild sea breeze through the day where we get rain just inland, and at the beaches, it's either clear or pretty stable. Uh, This graphic pretty much um, shows the pattern. Sometimes we get into this kind of a pattern for a week or even two weeks at a time. So it's a warm, humid air mass, mosquitoes and that start to come out, pollen starts to come out, uh, everybody... Uh, starts to think that it's spring. Well, don't get fooled. Even in and Myrtle Beach has been saying, don't plant yet because we're not quite done with winter. We still have until March 21st. Uh, We have another cold spell we think is going to be coming towards the end of the month, the beginning of March. We're not sure exactly. It's still a little bit far out, but don't uh, plant yet. Resist the urge. Uh, I know you want to, but um, you may find that if you do that, then things freeze over for a couple of days in a row and then uh, your your crop is ruined. So keep that in mind. Uh, Let's see. Looking at our sea surface temperatures, uh, the Gulf Stream is still rather cool. The, the surface current is um, not quite in the 80s yet. It's right it's right near 80. It might be 81 in spots, uh, but you can see that the coastal shelf waters are starting to warm up. You can see some of the warmer colors edging into the coastline. Here we're at 61 degrees in Charleston and starting to get into the low 60s, which means spring for kite surfers and surfers alike. Uh, anybody that goes in the waters you always gets excited when the water temperatures come up to at least a spring suit level. Uh, so that's something to look forward to as our um, uh, sea breezes start to launch as far as El Nino. Let me see if I can't bring this in. And <clears throat> basically what we're saying about El Nino is that we're going to be going into a neutral phase, which is in between uh, by March, April, or May. Somewhere in this vicinity, once we get above minus 0.5 degrees Celsius in, in the anomaly in the negative, uh, then we start to transition into El Nino neutral, uh, where or Enso neutral, where we're just sort of in the middle. And we're not entirely sure if we're going to get above into a, a full El Nino until maybe after the summer. But we're, as far as the plume model is looking for Enso predictions, it looks like we may be neutral all the way through the summertime. So we'll see what happens there. There is one um, kind of thing that we look at as well. And this is called the thermocline. This is in the Pacific. There's actual buoys that are moored underneath the water, let me see if I can refresh the screen here and get it in animated form. Looks like it's not quite working. I'll try one more screen. There we go. So if you see the bottom screen here, uh, this is the depth of the warmer water. And we can see right about here at about 160 degrees. Uh, this is where a Nino 3.4 region is. It's not changing very much. So the the, seas- the underwater current, uh, the underwater warmth hasn't changed entirely too much, but We do expect that this warmer mass to the, uh, to the West will start to push towards the East along Kelvin waving and start to warm those waters up just enough to get it to neutral. That's kind of an interesting factor. We always look at things like that when it comes to El Nino and La Nina, uh, the ENSO diagnostics and so the Pacific, which affects our climate all the way over here to the Southeast and Eastern United States. So we're, we're looking forward to, uh, possibly after this next cold spell might be it, we might be done with it. We may be transitioning right into a nice mild spring here. So we'll, uh, We'll keep an eye on it for you. Back to you, Scotty.
0: That's exciting. I'm ready. I, I told everyone once it got 70 degrees here, I was done with the winter. So I'm, I'm finished. I'm re- done with its nonsense. I'm ready to get into spring season. So, with that, let's bring in our guest tonight. Samantha's joining us from Fraser, Michigan. Samantha, welcome to the Carolina Weather Group, a first time uh, guest with us. So, with, uh, or as always, with our first time guest, we want you to introduce
6: yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about you. Sure thing. And thanks for having me on. Um, so, I'm Sam, Sam Berkseth. Um, so, I'm currently in Fraser, Michigan. I've kind of been all over the place for a while. Um, I just finished up recently getting my master's degree at Texas Tech, and I was studying the turbulent structure of convection there. Uh, and I was briefly in Oklahoma for a couple months. Now I'm back in Michigan. So, kind of figuring a lot out right now, but excited to be on the show and talk a little bit more about. Uh, my passion for weather, but for art as well, and kind of mixing the two together.
0: I gotta unmute myself first. Well, or tell us—you um, know—everybody in the weather industry has that one um, storm, or person, or scenario that kind of got them hooked. What's your story? What What was it that got you hooked and and wanting to uh, learn more about weather?
6: I've really been obsessed with the weather since I was about four years old. That I can remember just in the summertime going out on the porch you know we faced west and so we could really see the skies coming in uh, real dark and the contrast with the trees and it was just gorgeous and ever since then I've been in love with storms and wanted to study storms and and I've been doing that ever since and so went to Valpo for undergrad um, and then like I said Texas Tech but yeah I can't think of one particular event that really got me into it It it's just enjoying those nice summer storms that came through and and wanted to be a storm chaser so
0: (laughs) well did you get to do any storm chasing
6: oh yes I did a whole bunch well Valparaiso University they have their own student-led storm chase team and so I was a part of that and you can be a part of that even as a freshman so I got involved in that right away and then by sophomore year I think already I was on the e-board so I was starting to help out and manage and then I was the um, president and vice president the next two years. So it was really fun to get to lead teams out into the field like locally. It didn't happen necessarily a bunch because we were kind of limited to how far we can go. And when you're in Indiana, you know, you have the issue with trees and hills and all that. But it was a good start. And then when I was at Texas Tech, we did lots of field work going out to collect data for thunderstorms and specifically lightning and doing lots of balloon launches and tagging along with our radars to collect data for Chris Wiese's group, and yeah, lots of fun, lots of field work, and that's why I went to the schools that I did, because I love field work. I love storm chasing.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your research. I know you were talking about you um, went to Texas Tech there. Tell us, um, you know, what all you were doing there, and then what we'll kind of transition into uh, your love for art, and how you've combined them together.
6: Yeah, so at Texas Tech, uh, my specific project was looking at the turbulent structure of convection. So I was in the lightning group there. Uh, I didn't actually ever do study the lightning itself while I was there. I was mostly focusing on radar. So I was using the K band radar data to analyze the turbulence. And so specifically using the velocity and the spectrum width to kind of get an idea for the turbulent kinetic energy for different regions in the storm, and then kind of comparing how it differs in different like turbulent regions and more stratiform regions, and eventually that being used in conjunction with lightning data to see how turbulence kind of organizes the electric, uh, the um, electricity in the storm, and, and where the lightning lightning is forming.
0: I was gonna say, Jared, you and uh, Shay should have talk to Samantha. Maybe she could have provided you some radar while your radar was down there in (laughs) (laughs) Charleston.
5: After a month, we had it out. It was was just a little over a month. We finally got it back on. I think at one point, Jared, how many stations
1: were down in the southeast? Oh, We had had, uh, something like that. I mean, we we were, Columbia went down. We were using Columbia. Columbia went down. GSP went down for the service life extension project. We were using Wilmington and then Wilmington stopped transmitting and it's just like, what's going on outside your window? Anyway.
0: Imping <laughs> comes
1: into, uh, into
0: mm. a good thing. Well, well, Samantha, tell us a little bit. I mean, obviously with, with thunderstorms and lightning, um, a, a lot of folks like to, like you said, storm chase, but part of storm chasing is taking, taking those awesome pictures. And maybe how did, how did maybe the storm chasing or something spur your artistic side and I decide where you wanted to combine the two of weather and art.
6: Well, artwork is something that I've been doing my whole life as well, just as a hobby on the side. And I hadn't been doing it for quite some time, just because especially once you get into college, you don't have as much time to do that unless it's a class. And so we actually were working with the art school while I was at Texas Tech. Uh, We were working on a collaboration with the art school there and putting together an exhibit that was showcased just recently. It ended in January, I believe, um, at uh, Texas Tech Museum, um, representing our lightning data in an artful way. And so the whole time I was at Tech, we were working with the artists there and kind of doing this collaboration and talking about how to show our data artfully. And it kind of spurred up all my memories of doing artwork in the past. And I thought, well, you know what, I can do this too with my own work. And So I did starting, it was probably the beginning of just last year, 2017, that I got out my art supplies and started messing around with different styles and techniques and different weather charts and seeing what worked. And so it's something that I've always enjoyed doing in terms of art, but I never really thought to combine the two. And so definitely working with the art the artist at Texas Tech made me think of it and want to do that on my own.
4: That's super cool. I got a question real fast for you. Sure. So first of all, Recum, because we're Texas yeah. Tech, so <laughs> super excited about that. Second of all, have you ever considered using your art for educational purposes? I know what? I kind of discussed outreach with you a, a few months ago, but mm-hmm. I think that would be so cool.
6: Yeah, so I know that one of the pieces that I've done in the past, um, it was Uh, climate change personified. So I drew an image of a woman and one half of the face was normal looking and then the other half kind of had teary eyes and, you know, she was holding a cigarette and it was kind of my way to show the effects of climate change. And when I made that one, I got a lot of teachers responding saying, hey, you know, you can use this in a classroom to kind of teach students a little bit more about climate change and, and understanding what's going on because it's not only reaching out using the data. So I hid actual graphs in the image, but it's also appealing to another group. Maybe if there's kids that aren't into the math and the science, well, it's still art. And so it can reach them as well and really open the door for communication. So something that I've really wanted to do more of is to use it as a platform to open discussion and to maybe reach other groups of people that normally wouldn't be intrigued to go look at a weather map or chart or something like that.
4: Oh, exactly. And we're always looking for ways to make outreach more entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, It gets kind of boring, just pumping the same, you know, ready.gov and NWS educational storm safety or whatever it is. So I think that's so cool that you're taking that path. It's unique. And I think that there's really some kind of opening for you with that.
6: Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm open to suggestions. If anyone has any ideas for things that they would like to show or you know, I'm always looking for ways to open that up because I can get distracted too and have a one thing on my own mind and, and completely oversee something else. So,
5: the polar vortex, we talked yeah, about that before the show. That you got you gotta to do a good one. With the polar vortex marching down into the lower 48. Yep. So. <laughs> well, Scotty, uh, do you have, um, go back to yeah.
0: you? I was going to say, uh, Sam, is there a particular, um, weather, maybe even a season, let's go with that, you know, summer brings us storms, you know, wintertime brings us um, some winter weather events, and the fall and spring is kind of um, all types of weather, is there a specific uh, time of the year, maybe a specific weather phenomenon that kind of influences you on on what kind of art you like to to do, or is it just kind of something that just pops in your mind, like, hey, I need to do that?
6: I honestly think it's kind of just whatever is going on that's interesting because a lot of times there'll be a big event going on maybe I know I did one in the past it was just a bunch of cool boundaries in the area of Oklahoma you know there is some density gradients from convection and then you have the dry line going through Texas and it just looked super cool uh, on the model output. And I was like, well, no, that would look really neat in watercolor, so I went ahead and did it. And so a lot of times it's just kind of drawing inspiration from what's going on, because there's so much beauty in nature. I mean, I know I've also done overlays of the Fibonacci sequence with hurricanes or with you know low pressure systems. And so I don't think there's one particular season that really inspires it. I mean, weather is inspiring all the time, so yeah
0: pretty cool and i think uh james um he said he had a question
2: i do thank you scotty uh sam i know we've seen on your etsy store uh some etch-a-sketch uh designs that you've done and what looks to be some some painting Um uh, I'm, I'm just curious to uh learn a little bit more about your art process are, are you using um paints what are you using are you actually doing it or are you using um, like an app or a tablet to kind of do some of this uh, work digitally what's your workflow like
6: Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of different things that I do. Mostly what I do right now is the watercolor style. I don't actually use watercolor paints as much as I do uh, using markers and ink and then using water later on, because it gives me a little bit more control with where the color is going, and then I can elaborate later on. Uh, Etch-a-Sketch, that's just pure Etch-a-Sketch, nothing else I'm using for that one. let's see, what else have I done? I've done a couple drawings or mixes of watercolor and pencil drawing. And so, I mean, all of it's pretty much freehand. I don't have any special tricks up my sleeve. I don't really do anything digitally either. I would eventually like to do a little bit more with digital or animation. It would give me a little more freedom to, you know, draw something and then have a little bit more elaboration that I couldn't do um, just by hand. But I'm still working on that. Probably need a better computer to process all that too but I'm always looking for other ways because like even the watercolor I hadn't started experimenting with watercolor until about a year ago when I started up weather sketch because I I saw some posts on Facebook and I was like oh you know what I've always kind of wanted to try watercolor and so I did and I've been doing it since then so I'm always kind of open to to other materials and and works like that which is another reason why I'm also working with um, music right now, too, and trying to see what I can do with that, not even just in the visual arts, but in music as well.
5: Well, Sam, James, I see on uh, some of our feed, he's got some of your artwork kind of uh, being displayed. If you have something you want to share on screen that you you might want to show us a a couple of pieces of your art. I know one of them, uh, one of the more well-known ones is uh, Harvey over Texas. But if you have other ones, too, I mean, we'd love to see some of your work.
6: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have a bunch that I could show. Um, Let's see here. I'll just go to the. So I have one of the first ones that I did and I mentioned this already was the boundaries. So there is a bunch of uh, different boundaries across Oklahoma. So I mentioned the dry line and then some density gradients from convection. So that was one of the first ones that I ever did. And that one is a watercolor um let's see another one that i did that was kind of different so it was kind of combining that pencil drawing as you can see in here with the watercolor so this is a 500 millibar height anomalies plot and that one i wanted to use the inspiration of the butterfly effect to kind of talk to people that don't necessarily know what's going on in the chart, but they've heard of the butterfly effect, you know, this idea of chaos, a butterfly f- flaps its wings in one location and causes a hurricane somewhere else. You know, that's something that most people are familiar with. And so I took the natural color and, and shapes of the anomalies plot and overlaid the butterfly. And so everything there is exactly how you would see it on the the plot, but just with the butterfly overlaid. And So. Uh, I I like that one a lot because it can reach a wider audience and reach people that might not necessarily know about what the science is, but still understand about the chaos that's going on there. Um, Another one that I really enjoyed, so I did this one, it was a cold front coming through, and this one enabled me to get a lot more texture. And it took a lot of time to really get a lot of the detail going on there. So, I mean, that's the United States the continuous United States. I don't don't know if you can really see the shape there, but that was a large cold front that was coming through. And so uh, that one, again, like I mentioned, it's something you just see as it's happening and see that, oh, hey, this is a good inspiration for a new piece, so I'll go ahead and do that. That Um,
5: looks a little like today's weather setup. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, it looks like the latest GFS two meter temperature anomaly map.
6: But this is the climate change one I know I mentioned. I don't have that one up on my Etsy page. Um, so, I, this one is the climate change personified. The left half of the face is just a normal face, and then the right-hand side kind of shows some of the effects, like she's sweating and she's flushed because of you know, warmer temperatures with climate change. And, and you see the smoke there, and that was the CO2, and there's hidden graphs in here. So, this is the increase in CO2, and then there's this collar of her shirt was the graph for the increase in uh, global mean temperature. And um, and so I wanted to incorporate some actual scientific data into the graph, while also giving a visual of these effects to make it a little more personal and understand what's going on there.
5: Yeah, that's deep.
6: That There's is one, so cool. One yeah. other one that I did, I don't, I don't have this one up on my page either, and I don't know if a lot of people saw this one. So this one I actually made entirely out of titles of papers that supported um, the anthropogenic uh, uh, warming. So everything on here that you see in this image is a title, if you zoomed in really close, you could see the names of all the papers. I can't remember how many years I went back. Um, And then the only part that went against uh, climate change and global warming are these in the crayon. And you can see that was uh, 3%. I think this is actually a different one. Um, It should be less than 3% but um, but I created this to kind of hit home and have it like a kid's drawing and what the world would look like to them. So I, I thought that was kind of neat and different. I haven't done another one like this since then using words to create the image, but that's another one that I've done in the past.
5: The flooding, that one stands out the most to me.
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that one, I mean, it covers a bunch of different areas. You know, you've got the fire in the tree and then the flooding and then obviously everyone thinks of the, pol- the first thing everyone thinks about, I think with, uh, with global warming, if you're not in meteorology is, is the polar bears, you know, what about the polar bears? So I had to throw that one in there, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's an example of some of the work that I've done, um, so far.
0: And Samantha, so you, have you've done this, you have your website up and going, um, for followers, uh, our followers, we'll, we'll tag that. I think we've got that in our event page, but we'll tag it again. Uh, what does the future look like you know, for, for you? Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I know you was talking a little bit about music, but what else uh, do you think will be down the road for you with with the weather and the art?
6: Yeah, I'm still trying to figure all of that out, to be honest with you. Uh, weather and art combination is something that I really wanted to focus more on because I know a lot of people don't do that not just with weather and art but just science and art in general because usually those are two camps that are pretty separate you know even growing up in school you've got the sciencey kids and you've got the artful kids and really do those really do we think of them as coming together and so it's really opened up my eyes to learning how both sides can learn a lot from the other i mean there's perspectives and just the way of thinking that we can garner from the other group and And so it's something that I wanna focus on more because a lot of people haven't been doing it, but it's also a matter of finding the time to do that. And so uh, I know recently I've been moving a lot. Now I'm finally home in Michigan again. So right now I'm I'm not working full-time and so I'm using some of that downtime to try and work on that a little bit more. Uh, I would love to continue with the weather art and explore the music a little more and maybe um, uh, to present on that at a conference, maybe we'll, see, we'll have to see on that because that can be expensive, but that's definitely something I want to keep working on and, and specifically outreach. I just would love most of all, out of all of this is for more people to become engaged and care about the science because it's really important to not just disregard scientists. It's not opinion. A lot of the work that we're doing, you know, it's for the, the good of the public, the safety of the public, and we're really trying to progress the science and and learn as much as we can to save lives and and make the world a better place. So I think it's important to get everyone to care about the sciences and about what meteorologists are doing and other scientists are doing. So I hope to do that through the artwork to reach a wider group of people.
0: And definitely in a time where uh, the weather community, especially our friends at the Weather Service, so much is up in the air. That's definitely a good thing to uh, make everyone aware of just how important their job is. Um, one question I wanted to ask you is: you know, last year we had the, uh, I don't want to say the most devastating, but probably one of the top devastating years hurricane-wise. And I know you uh, had Harvey with, with Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see these events, maybe you creating something um, from, from these hurricanes that may you can maybe present to people who went through this and this horror and maybe kind of uplift their spirits? Because I know in those areas, they're, they're still recovering from these events.
6: Yeah, so that's another area that I really want to work on more. So I created that piece for Hurricane Harvey and 20% of the sales of that piece went to relief efforts for those affected by the hurricane. And I know that that is definitely something that I want to continue doing with other natural disaster events, but even other just charitable events as well, not related to weather as a way to Spread awareness for these issues that are going on, and for people that need help, and also as a tribute to the people that are going through that, and to you know give them a sense of hope, or that someone's paying attention, that somebody's listening, and where they're to help, and also incorporate some of the science into it too. Like in this one, I believe I base that off of infrared satellite, where the the gray is laid underneath of Hurricane Harvey as it hit, and so using that as a platform not only to to show support and solidarity with those affected, but to also help raise money for the cause itself.
5: Yeah, a very impactful picture there um, of uh, Harvey. That was such a devastating storm. I I mean, I'm, I'm certainly glad that you um, you portrayed it as that because it looks, it, the, the feel of that is devastating. Everything about it is, is powerful, just like the storm was. So uh, good job, good job on your work. And really you. fascinating. Would you like to talk about? Do you have a website that people can go to 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 take a look at your work?
6: Uh, mostly right now, I just have my Etsy page, and so if you, um, I believe, if you go to Etsy, it's just Weather Sketch. So this is the page um, right here. So if you just search WX Sketch. And then I have a bunch of items for sale in there. I try and keep it up to date and make sure everything is in stock. Some of it, if you want to purchase something, um, some of it might take a couple of weeks just to make sure I have prints of it, but I'm always adding to there. Uh, some of it, you can even get a custom, uh, whether it's an Etch-a-Sketch or a custom weather watercolor. I just did one recently for a friend, for her father actually, and uh, a weather event that was specific and, and to him and so I'll, I'll take requests for that but that's definitely something that um you can go and check that out and um i also post on my twitter page so i think that might be on the facebook link or i can give it out later uh it's just wx sketch at wx sketch uh so weather sketch on twitter and i have the same name on the facebook page as well but i'm always posting everything that i do on there so If you're interested in what I've done in the past or what I'll continue to do, you can check those. And then Etsy is where I sell everything.
5: Well, guys, we we may want to get the Carolina Weather Group done professionally.
6: (laughs) Well, actually, I have a surprise for you guys. Really? So I did this earlier. Let's see if I can uh, share this real quick. All right, here we go. So I did. I had a little time to kill before the show today, so I made this. (laughs) There you go. That's
5: fantastic. That That looks awesome.
6: How cool is that, James? What, James?
0: Weren't you asking about this earlier today in our chat?
2: I did. I went to your uh, your your WX sketch on Etsy before, and I went, oh, if I had thought ahead and brought fifteen (laughs) dollars with me, I could have got our logo done.
6: Well I mean it's it's still on my etch a sketch, it's fresh, so I can take a picture and <laughs> send one to you. But
2: that is that awesome. is absolutely amazing. Um a yeah, question that, that's cool. A question that ties into that. Uh when did you first etch a sketch? How did you master that art? Have you been doing that since you were real young?
6: Um, no, I haven't. I i had an etch a sketch and um when I was younger I don't think I really used it and then I found it several years ago. I think I was in undergrad when I found it again. I was like, oh, you know, it would be cool if I could try and do an actual drawing on this. So I sat down, I tried it, and it worked. So ever since then, I've kind of just stuck at it. It's actually not too difficult if you're doing a landscape. Uh, like, I do a lot, I started doing a lot of storm chasing and landscaping photos. And, I mean, a lot of the times, if it's a lot of grass, it's just scribbles, so it's not, it's not as difficult for some of those as it might seem but i have recently started doing more portraits or specialty ones like that one right there and that one obviously takes a little bit longer but yeah it's something that i've only gotten into recently
2: well that is fantastic thank you so much for for doing that for us and we're gonna uh uh, put that up on our page and share with everybody as well too. Cause that is, that is absolutely fabulous and, uh, impressive. I, I can't do that if I wanted to, I, I can't even make circles or like shapes on a just <laughs> sketch.
0: I was going to say, I see a cover photo or fa- Facebook profile, our yeah. profile picture going to that. That's pretty awesome.
1: Oh yeah. You know, Sam, one, uh, you know, one thing that I think gets lost in the shuffle is that, you know, with such a laser focus on, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, STEM, um, It should be more STEAM, right, science, technology, uh, engineering, arts, and math. Um, Can you go into a little bit of why the arts are so important uh, when incorporating the hard
6: sciences? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's important to have the arts and sciences talking together and collaborating because there's definitely a different way of thinking. There's different perspectives that you get from each side. I mean, sometimes... Especially when I was doing research in grad school, I'd be sitting down and looking at a bunch of numbers and charts and whatever, and it's it's a bunch of code and crunchy numbers and this or that, and there might have been some bigger picture things that I wasn't quite getting because I was so focused on the code or whatever. And so if I was explaining it to an artist, they might have picked out something completely different that I would have thought of or just a different way of looking at it. Um, There's also different things that we'll see that are similar. So for instance, when we did the collaboration with the artist at Texas Tech, one word that she used a lot in her work was the word texture. And that's definitely something that we also talked about when we were looking at radar data, like, oh, this area is more textured. We knew that there was an area of more turbulence. So we had a similar vocabulary, but how she was looking at it was just a little bit different and so sometimes you need that, you need to take a step back and look at things a little bit differently and it can help you move forward and research in a way you might not have thought. I mean, you just sometimes get a certain mindset and you focus on that and you don't think outside the box as much. And so collaborations with, with artists on that side or vice versa really bring a different dimension to what you're doing and whatever information that can inspire you and, and help you in your research is, is helpful.
4: Yeah. And I was going to say, I agree because a huge part of being a scientist is being able to take your data and present it in a way that people can understand. It might be graphs, uh, graphics, pictures. So Mm -hmm. I think understanding the ability to do what you do and figure out ways to visualize is important.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely. And that's, again, something that I would love to continue working on and and expand and learn how to communicate better and, and figure figure out the best ways to get everyone excited
1: mm-hmm. yes yeah, and that's fantastic it, i mean it's uh we had an event in charleston last year uh with an art group um they uh they like to do fusions of art and science uh called enough pie and we did uh, awakening five and in we did it at a at my office downtown and uh it was uh, really cool because we had stations where kids we're talking we're drawing out what it's like because we're dealing with a major you know we're we're dealing with a major uh, flooding crisis with tidal flooding and then lord knows if it rains we're done right and so there's a lot of that expression there so it's really cool to see more of this out in the community and uh really appreciate uh this work and and the fact that you know it you just get such a charge out of it and it's just so it just looks so good like, that that watercolor that cold front like you should do you you really should do a uh, a sequel to that with today's front uh stretching across oklahoma so sure thing uh, yeah it's awesome thank you
0: well samantha it's uh, almost nine o'clock here on the east coast um so we'll be starting to wrap up here in a little bit but i do have one more question for you and guys will ask this if you have any more feel free to uh, jump in after this but um uh, normally we we ask this a lot of our first time guests and I want to ask it and pose it to you uh, because like you're talking about the science and, and the art world really hasn't come together. What is your advice to maybe students who are in high school, middle school, high school, maybe even in college now, what would your advice be to them as they grow up and, and go through the meteorology world and maybe they have an interest in art? Uh, what would you tell them?
6: I would say that it's really important to remember your passions and to follow that because art was something that I did for so long, but you know, only as a hobby. But still it was something that I really loved. And and I think I kind of got away from that a lot as I was in undergrad and and grad school, even in high school a little bit, because I was so focused on okay, I'm I'm going down the path of meteorology and this is what I'm doing. And I was only focusing on that. And I think it's important to embrace all the talents that you have and all the interests that you have. Cause it, like I said, it can bring a unique perspective to the work that you're doing. So my advice would be if you have multiple interests, you don't have to just pick one. You can follow whatever it is that you're interested in. And even if it's something that isn't really popular, right now I mean go with it see what happens with it because obviously if you're passionate about it you're going to want to work hard on it anything that you're passionate about you don't mind if you're if you're working hard or staying up till 4 a.m and that's the point so follow follow your passions for sure and also don't be afraid to if you go down one path and it seems like it might not be entirely what you thought it was going to be or or not as fun like if you start going to grad school maybe you realize oh well you know I don't want to f- continue on to phd or i don't want to continue in the research or or maybe you love it just making sure that what you're doing you really enjoy and and following your passions because if you're not passionate about what you're doing it's going to be that much harder to go to work every day and to continue becoming a better person a better scientist better researcher whatever it is that you're trying to do
0: that's great of uh. There I am. I'm unmuted. That's great advice. Um, guys, anybody else have any questions before um, before we start to wrap up? All right. I think we're good. Well, Samantha, I want to uh, thank you for uh, coming on tonight. Um, again, tell us uh, your website and maybe how our followers can follow you on uh, social media.
6: Yeah. So, like I said, I have the Twitter page specifically for my weather art. So, it's at WeatherSketch. So, that's at WXSketch. And I also have a link on there to my Etsy page, or you can just go to Etsy and search Weather Sketch, as well. And then there is also a Weather Sketch page on Facebook that's open to the public. You don't have to join a group or anything. So you can follow me on there or on Twitter or go to my Etsy page and check out some of the artwork that I have. And if you have an idea, you can message me too, even if it's not posted on there. I'm, I'm open to commissions and new ideas for work that, that can be done.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, stick around if you want to. We're going to um, head into our tweets of the week before we uh, end our uh, show tonight. And uh, does anybody have a tweet ready to go? I do. All right, James, I'll let you start off then tonight.
2: All right. Well, to uh, celebrate the uh, wonderful warm weather we have, and I know many of you are seeing this image, and I'll send it back over to the rest of you here on uh, YouTube. Uh, we talked about those beautiful, warm weathers. You can, uh, weather. You can see that the trees blooming here in Charlotte uh, as they have been tricked into thinking it's spring. It's a beautiful sight, uh, but it, it may be one that the uh, the plants uh, do unfortunately come to regret here shortly because, uh, you know, winter will probably be back before spring is here for, for sure. And uh, while we can enjoy the view, uh, I do I do worry about the, the plants, and I know even our friend Br- uh, Brad Penovich on Facebook, Facebook the other day was reminding folks of last year's uh, crop disaster when uh, so many plants started to bloom, and then uh, we had more cold weather who killed off a lot of uh, the plants. But until then, uh, at the very least, uh, a nice sight to see here as uh, we have some small uh, buds blooming on this tree here in, in South Charlotte. Scotty?
0: All right, James, thank you for that. Uh, Anybody, let's see, uh, Oh, Ashley's got one. Ashley, I was getting ready to use this one, so I'll let you go ahead.
4: Good, I'm glad. I was really excited because I found this Monday, and I was like, yes, I actually have a good one this week. So this tweet is really cool because it's actually looking at NWS Office Twitter followers. Um, I think the first map actually started in 2015. So if you take a look, it's ranked one through 120 for all the offices and you can see what offices have the most Twitter followers. So in 2015, Oklahoma City was number one, followed by DFW. And then they went ahead and updated the map currently and they actually swapped. So it looks like DFW, NWS has number one now and Oklahoma City has number two. So I love seeing this kind of data because it's GIS. And it's such an easy map to make, but it comes out so neat looking. And you're just able to see all of the data really easily. So I love this so much.
0: Very true. And and a couple of takeaways from that. Charleston's office is at uh, the 25th. So that's really cool. I think uh, that's one of the highest ones in the Southeast. But uh, look at Boston, number three. I, would have not, I wouldn't have thought Boston would have been number three. I would have thought Boston Maine does
5: great. Yeah, I mean, they do a great job. What I can't believe is the Mid-Atlantic. Like Blacksburg, those guys. What's going on there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Blacksburg, uh, Greenville, uh, Spartanburg, Columbia, and Morristown—all in the—all uh, in the '80s. So, yeah, not too good there. But interesting. I, I saw this tweet too, and I was like, "Man, that is really good." And uh, that was one of my thinking uh, to to use this one. But good information there, definitely.
4: Definitely.
0: All right. Um. Uh, let's see who's got. Jared's got something up. So, Jared, I'll let you go. Yeah.
1: All right. So, as I alluded to earlier, there was a cold front in Oklahoma yesterday, and um, and so this was a couple of days ago, actually. So, uh, this is from Robert McDonald. He's a meteorolo- meteorology student at the University of Oklahoma, and this is a, a mediagram comparing the nas- the air temperature at the National Weather Center with the air temperature. At the Max Westheimer Airport, um, and this is roughly about four miles apart. And you can see that uh, that red line is the uh, airport there. And oh yeah, it got cold, and then it warmed back up. Um, gotta love uh, boundaries stalling out and doing funny things. And so, um, so that's what that's what it looked like with the mesonet there. And then um, the Oklahoma mesonet is absolutely fantastic. I'm always jealous of uh, the density of their network. And uh, he plotted it out on Google Earth, and uh, that was a distance of four a little more than four miles, uh, separating 72 from 52. So uh, suffice to say, that was a pretty good cold front. They started the morning with lightning and ended it with uh, freezing rain. So, uh, yeah, all in all, all in a day's work for our friends at um, Oklahoma and Norman, so.
0: I did. I thought that was fascinating. Yesterday was just crazy to watch. Um, just the very, very weather things that were going on there. So uh, let's go to, uh, is that Shay? Yeah, Shay's got a picture up. Shay?
5: Yes. Uh, so on the 19th, Monday, uh, Mount Sinabung went Sinabang in Indonesia. <laughs> and this is, this is quite a scary scene uh, out of uh, this explosion. I mean, this, I think the ash went up to about 16,000 feet. And you can see the kids running, you know, being dismissed from school, obviously. But everyone everyone seems to be like kind of, um, uh, you know, just sort of glued to the scene. And, um, you know, this ash goes really high up into the air, and then it ended up covering many areas. I, did, I didn't read of any deaths because I think everybody was pretty far away and, and stayed safe, and they're wearing masks and everything. Uh, but you can see the size of this volcano, uh, the eruption, and how high that pyroclastic ash went up into the air. In fact, here's a uh, tweet that shows another angle on it going higher up uh there, there was the sky was fairly cloudy over that area before so if you know anything about uh, volcanic eruptions you know that uh that that intense heat spreads those clouds out and then sometimes what you can get is um you could actually get lightning and some of these kind of violent explosions but uh i'm really surprised that some of that pyroclastic activity didn't you know fly out for miles all around everywhere it looked like it was a straight up boom uh pretty intense stuff there and and i think um, you know, th- there's just been a lot of activity in Indonesia. In fact, Scotty, we talked about having a guest come back on to talk about earthquake activity in the Southeast and tsunamis. And, you know, with all the, the plate tectonics going on, that might be uh, a good future show to talk about, especially with our, since the last time we had a show, we had a, um, kind of a false tsunami threat. It was mm-hmm. a, a test that kind of went awry. One of the apps picked it up as a real test. And so everyone kind of got freaked out for a minute, but then it was fine. Uh, and so we may want to visit that. I think it'd be a good topic for another show. What do we do if we have a tsunami threat along the Southeast Coast? Have we, We've we never been subjected to that.
0: Definitely. And we've already got the, the gears rolling in that. We've sent a few test emails out. So hopefully we'll hear some information back and can get a show like that scheduled. But I, I chuckled because I thought you said Mount Cinnabon. And I was like, uh, not yeah anyways well, it was Mount C- C-
5: shameless plug to
1: Cinnabon Peter's and, uh, not
0: here tonight to plug him, so I yeah. thought we'd, we'd find some if, way to do it
1: if it was Mount Cinnabon everyone would be running away but Peter would be running towards it <laughs> he, he would
0: he would if you're friends with him on Facebook you can see his uh, his cover photo on his Facebook page, it has like holy Cinnabons behind him on a green screen. So funny stuff there, but let's get to, uh, let's get to Jordan. I think Jordan said he's got a tweet and then I'll, uh, I'll end with my tweet of the week. So Jordan, I'll let you go.
3: Sounds good. All right. So, uh, I figured, uh, we started talking the show about the, uh, the mega Ridge and all of the warmth across the Eastern U S. So be a good place to end it here. I came across this tweet showing, um, and the map's a little, I'll go ahead and blow up the map just so you can see it a little better. Um, basically, it's it's a model output from the GFS uh, Valid 18Z this this afternoon. Um, and the colors just kind of indicate how anomalous that ridge is over most of the eastern U.S. and where you see, um, you know, basically getting into the center of that ridge, the whites, it's basically off the charts in terms of where it ranks climatologically. Um it, they compared the model output to uh, the CFSR reanalysis, and it's, you know, basically, um, it, you can't even find a comparable value in, in the reanalysis going back to 1979. So just just an extraordinary event and one that's going to stick around for a couple of more days.
0: Very true, and could you imagine if this was the summertime? Ooh.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, Shay, do you want to share
5: yours? What you got up on the screen? yes yeah, So I was gonna say, Stu Oster just put this up um, a little while ago, and it shows just how how large this ridge is. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. So just to kind of supplement that, and and showing the, that distinct draw between the the Bermuda Ridge and that um, all the activity to the west of that. So, anyways, didn't want to interrupt that, but it's funny that you put it because Stu Oster just put that up, and I thought that was really cool animation.
0: And to keep with the ridge, Atlantic Ridge, summertime, uh, this is my tweet of the week. Uh, this is coming out of the National Hurricane Center, we are about a hundred days away until the start of the 2018 hurricane season, and uh, their challenge here is: Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have a hurricane plan? And I know last year, still fresh on everyone's minds, but uh, hurricane season is just around the corner. You know, a uh, hundred days away, and that'll go by quickly. And definitely uh, after last year, it shows that everyone needs a plan. Even if you live inland um, from the coast, you still need that plan. So uh, that is my tweet of the week tonight coming from the national hurricane center. So uh, with that, uh, let me pull up the schedule for next week. We are going to be having, um, well, I don't know who our guest is yet. Uh, we've been in talks with uh, the NOAA satellite um, uh, Division and uh, they're going to be bringing us a guest next week as we talk about the goes s launch that'll be scheduled to go on the first is that correct am I correct on that March 1st
5: Yes that- still still correct on the launch date yep. nothing's changed yet so we'll wait and hopefully we'll see what happens we got uh, our contact says he will be providing some money. I've got to reach out to him this week I'm sure he'll come through he always does he's great so we'll have a we'll have a fantastic guest on next week to talk about that Scotty
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually had a couple of messages with him today, so we're good with that. Just don't know the guests yet who it's going to be, uh, but we'll be talking about the uh, the s launch next week. And then on the 7th, uh, March, we start, well, the, the whole month of March is the National Weather Podcast Month, and uh, we're going to be kicking off our portion of that on the 7th. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, recapping the 2017 hurricane season uh, with the Storm Surge Unit. Dr. Cody Fritz will be joining us uh, from the National Hurricane Center Storm Surge Unit, he's going to be talking to us obviously about uh, the major hurricanes that we had this year and just how well that system. Uh, if you if you don't remember, this was the first year of that, so we'll talk about uh, how that uh, went off. And then on the fourteenth, Jonathan Erdman will be on with the with us from the Weather Channel. Uh, on the twenty first, as we continue the National Weather Podcast Month, we're going to be joined by the Weather Junkies, Dakota Smith and Tyler Jankowski. Uh, Both those guys have been on our show before, so happy to have them back. And as we close the uh, National Weather Podcast month, uh, Todd Lindley from the National Weather Service in Norman, Oklahoma, he's going to rejoin us. Uh, If you don't remember, Todd was with us back in January, and we had an Internet outage at the uh, Norman, Oklahoma, weather office. So uh, Todd wasn't able to complete his uh, show with us. So uh, Todd's going to be joining us back on the 28th to uh, talk about uh, his – studies on forecasting wildfires. And then looking into April, uh, we're always happy to have John Jensenius, and he'll be joining us again on April the 4th to talk about lightning and um, how to stay stay safe. Let me try that again. Stay safe uh, during lightning events um, this spring and summer. So that's uh, what's coming up here on the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, As always, Samantha, we want to thank you again for uh, joining us tonight and Uh, I think uh, uh, James has already tweeted out our uh, etch a sketch and it's already got a lot of likes on it. So uh, we appreciate that. And uh, Mm -hmm. as always, thanks for having me on. Yeah. If there's anything ever pops up in your world and you want a platform to talk about it, you just let us know. And we'd love to have you back on our show. Sounds great. All right, Smith. Well, thank you for that. And thank you guys for watching tonight on the Carolina weather group. We will see you next Wednesday night on uh, March. I'm sorry. February 28th. We're going to be talking about the uh, GOES-S satellite launch. I will be uh, in Oklahoma City. Ricky's going to be in Florida for the GOES-S launch. So uh, we will try to chime in, but the regular panel, everybody else will be here. So uh, we look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday night on February 28th. Have a great weekend and enjoy the warm weather.